Welcome back to Paddlecast, everybody. A very special edition today. It's the launch of a new show with the working title of The One Review. That's what we're going with for now, Jacko. The One Review. It's going to be our weekly recap show. And this week for the inaugural episode, a bloody big recap because we've just finished the bloody big 12 Towers Ocean Festival here in Australia. A lot of big stories, a lot of exciting stories. A great event all round. Uh, Before we get stuck into those stories, welcome to the show. Paul Jackson from One Ocean Sports. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Thanks for having me again. Let's, uh, well, thank you for hosting the Supracer Podcast Studio. This is the House of One. We're actually here in the One Ocean Sports warehouse. And so we're going with the One Review. What do you think of the name? Sounds good. All right. Think it will do? It's official. Yeah. The One Review, folks. We're going to try and do this every week um, because we've usually got no shortage of stuff to talk about. Yeah, and it's been a big weekend. So uh, 12 Towers. Let's get stuck straight into it. The one review for this week, the 12 Towers Ocean Race. We're going to do a bit of a mega recap um, because there was a lot happening. You were out there. I was out there. We were live streaming together. You're out there paddling. You almost cracked the top 10. It's a good weekend. It's a good weekend. Foiled, filmed, sup raced, a bit of everything. So uh, I think everyone that came to it definitely got their money's worth and uh, went home pretty happy. Conditions turned it on for sure. Absolutely. That was a good one. The ninth annual 12 Towers. It's uh, coming up on the big decade next year. So big shout out to Peasy and the crew for keeping that going almost a full decade. And I think next year's 10th anniversary is going to be an absolute cracker. But as you can see on the left of screen there, folks, our ESPN graphics, we've got plenty of stuff to run through today. So let's just get straight into it. Firstly, I want to give a big shout out before we get into the stories of, you know, the, the crazy kids that just tore it apart in the men's downwinder. I want to give a big shout out to all those regional clubs that turned up. Yeah, it was good to see. So guys coming from uh, all over Australia, really, um, and the local clubs up the Bundy Way, Sydney, Sunny Coast, Brisbane. Um, did we get any from WA? I think we had Sam over from yeah, WA. Sam, yeah, Sam. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a good uh, couple from South Oz. So uh, it was really a good mix from around Australia, which is uh, really good to see, like, just getting that uh, good group of guys together and girls together for an event like this. So I think it was, um, yeah, really, really good to see. Absolutely. Definitely been missing it a little bit lately for maybe the Aussie events. You know, tw- uh, King of a Cut had had a, not a bad mix, but 12 Towers definitely turned it up at yes. next level. Yeah, we had the guys from British Sup. Sunshine Coast Sup Club was actually the host club. Uh, we had uh, the 4670 Club. Never even heard of them before, but they're doing a great job up there in uh, near Bundaberg, yep. near the north coast of Queensland. The Sydney crew, um, WA, a couple of boys from... One of the boys drove from South Australia. Yep. Johnny. Yeah, Johnny Gerlach. And a, that drove guy's an three animal. days just to get here and have a, a bit of a race. And then he's an animal in the racing as well. So for, for a 60-year-old, he uh, I think he still actually won the 60s and the 50s, realistically. So um, just looking through a bit of the highlights, hopefully this audio is actually working for you. I always seem to put audio over the top, but um, if you are hearing us, you're seeing recaps from the Sunday downwinder, which was, um, we had good conditions, yeah? Pumping conditions. So I did the, did the long course and it was, uh, it was a pretty good, normal, typical southeast uh, win for us and it was good bumps really from the start to finish. Yeah, let's go back to the start, just have another look at that. This was... Uh, down at Snapper Rocks, the world-famous Snapper Rocks, where the Quickie Pro, or it's the Corona Pro now. We might have to rename that. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> It's an awkward toilet. year to have Corona as the first title sponsor. Toilet Paper Pro next year. <laughs> Only company's going to have money. Uh, <laughs> Australians will appreciate that joke. 
the rest of the world. This country's gone mad the past few weeks, but it's a whole nother podcast. Um, so here we are. We started at Snapper Rocks, the world famous Snapper Rocks, and just got this howling southerly wind blowing up the coast towards towards Burley Heads, which is actually another world famous surf spot. And uh, the boys just enjoyed a cracking run. The women had an incredibly exciting race. We're going to uh, jump back and have a look at that in a minute. But uh, yeah, the big story, I think regional clubs out in force supporting the sport. Good to see the grassroots healthy in Australia. As I mentioned, the women's race, that was exciting. It was. Your wife, who's sitting in the next room. Yep. <laughs> Angie yep. Jackson, all so close. Yeah, close to say she's been, definitely been training. So um, I guess the part she's been training, she did really well on. And maybe the, <laughs> the part she hasn't had a chance to train, maybe not so well on. But Well, just to step back a bit, Angie's been on the road to recovery for about feels like forever. 18 months now. Yeah, It's, it's actually exactly 18 months. It was the first week of September, I think, 2018. Snapped her Achilles in Japan. Um, had to get it repaired, had to get it repaired again, finally came back at King of the Cut in December and um, had a big win there. This week, she's trying to take down the six-time champion, Carla Gilbert, which is would be no small feat. And for 90% of the race, it looked like she was going to get her. Yeah, no, she's actually paddled pretty well. And uh, to be honest, for the amount of downwinding we've, we've probably done, she actually uh, even surprised me for it. So um, I was probably more confident if it was a flatwater grind. But uh, yeah, she... Look, she just kind of turned it on to the bumps and, and did pretty well. So at the end of the day, it's about who crosses the line first and not who gets to, uh, you know, the he- last headland. So, yeah. No, uh, Carla, Carla Gilbert. Carla stood up and proved why she is one of the best Aussie athletes, you know, in the, in the ocean and surfs. And, um, yeah, she did it again. So Queen Carla. Yep. Got to be one of the all-time greatest ocean athletes, probably the greatest women's ocean athlete. In yeah. Australia's history. She was um, a legend in the surf life saving world, crossed over into SUP and has won a lot of, uh, well, a lot of events, a lot, a lot of, of top tower titles. Yeah, she look, she's a good athlete. She trains hard. She's always fit, um, like we see on the creek, training all the time. And she puts the hard yards in and she enjoys the sport. Like she enjoys that side of racing. So, and mm. it, it shows, like she's always turns up and, you know, might not do the international events some of the other girls do. I but wish she got more opportunities to do those internationals. I yeah. mean, she does have. Two young daughters. That's right. A family. Yep. It's not really her priority anymore to travel and compete. But I remember she went to the BOP a few years ago and got, I think it was third behind um, Annabelle and Jenny. Yep. It would be cool to see her competing. Yeah. Look, And when it comes to a surf races, I think she uh, she really stands out, especially in Australia. So, mm. um, yeah, so it would be good to see her in other places. But it's good for the other girls like Ange and Kate and, and those girls to compete against someone like Carla in the home, in the backyard. Speaking of Kate Baker, she uh, came out of nowhere, snuck up into second, surfed past Angie in the yeah. final 100 metres or so, stole second spot. We were calling it, it like a two-horse race, and then as they got to the final buoy, my uh, my commentator on Sunday, co-commentator Callie, said, hang on, here's Kate Baker. Yeah. Yep. It was basically the three of them were pretty much surfing to the beach on like a couple of waves apart. Yeah, and look, and Kate's actually been out as well. She's had a fractured thumb for the last, I think, two or three months, so... Um, had pretty limited limited paddle training, so she actually did really well, really well, and uh, it, she actually has been working a lot on her surf technique, and you know that's the part that really paid off. Absolutely, and you know who's been working on their uh, their downwinding, Noi Garriu. Yeah, this kid's on another level. Yeah, he's flying, and like the race was over halfway. Yeah, pretty much. It was um, he was a dot in the distance for most people, so. It was really a race for the minor places once he took off. And um, 
yeah, I think when it comes to the downwind race side of things on a 14-footer, he's the man to beat at the moment. Absolutely. And uh, Noit kind of helped set the theme for the for Sunday in the men's race, which was, as I wrote about last night on South Race, that the kids are taking over. And uh, the big, big story was 13-year-old Shrimpy from Japan. Yeah. 13 years old. Yeah, to be honest, I was a little shocked. Uh, I think everyone was shocked. I think he was shocked. Yeah. You know, even I was, for myself, who was in the race, I looked across and uh, I didn't realise who it was. But, yeah, you could hardly even see the kid standing up. The bumps were bigger than him. So <laughs> it was, um, yeah. And he's on, uh, he weighs probably 40 kilos soaking wet. I think he was on a 20. 21, maybe. 21 inch wide board. And just, he was floating across the ocean. Yeah. That was extraordinary. Yeah. He came out here. He said his goal was just to try and finish top 10 and uh, basically just get some experience. But Did that easy. Yeah. Held off guys like Jimmy and, uh, you know, Jimmy, Molokai champion, animal paddler. And yeah, he just held held someone off. You hold someone off like that and it's uh, that's a pretty good effort. Beat the reigning Molokai champion, yep. James Casey. He's another teammate. Um, he beat Lincoln Jews, the defending champion. He beat Sam McCullough, Australia's top junior, who got fifth. Um, he beat, well, he beat everyone except Noik and Ty. Ty. And that ended up, Ty actually bumped up the average age of the group to 16 and a half years or so. Yeah, and look, and you know, and Ty's Ty actually, was the old man on the podium. And he's been, a, he's, Ty's been an informed paddler. Like, he, look, he won the technical race the day before and um, he's been placing in just about every single race he goes in. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an exciting year for Ty as well. Yeah, we're going to get to the athlete ratings in a second, but I reckon Ty's in for a big season. Yeah, yeah he he's definitely stepped it up. Like it's, You can actually see it when you're talking to him and, and just the way he's uh, approaching his paddling. It looks like he's definitely stepped it up as, on his professional side. And um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he can match the, maybe that just that next little level that he needed to go from last year. Uh, right now, it looks like he's doing a pretty good effort. Absolutely. Now, I want to get onto a topic that uh, you're going to be able to tell us a lot about because you're involved with this a lot. The Tardrew brothers, six of the top, sorry, five of the top seven spots were basically thanks to the Tardrew brothers. Ben Tardrew, the designer of One Ocean Sports. His brother, Marcus Tardrew, the designer from Sonova. Sonova got two of the men's podium spots. One got two of the women's podium spots. And uh, Jimmy from Sonova also was fourth. So five of the top seven, thanks to a couple of brothers from WA that just froth out on designing incredible race boards yeah and i think and that that last sentence says it all you know it's just two guys are good average guys who just actually enjoy their paddling um and whether it's downwind foiling they're good paddlers themselves and, and, and they are good paddlers like if they were in that race they would probably be right in that top 10 there somewhere um like i paddle with benny a lot and it probably nine times out of ten he beats me so uh it's yeah like those guys are really just that little feeding ground for ideas and developments. They just continuously coming up with funky ideas. And, and you know what? They're both good guys. Um, oh, they're legends. So I, yeah. For them to be doing well, it's I'm stoked from both. And they were doing well in a very specific shape. So in some parts of the world, this, this whole dugout thing is still relatively new. But for us in Australia and um, basically anyone that's into ocean downwinding, the dugout has, has been the shape for years. But it's been progressing and I guess uh, one and Sonova have kind of been leading the way in Australia. NSP's been pushing the development hard. Of course, it all started with Brian Samansky back in the day with the dugout, which eventually morphed into the starboard ace and that iconic shape. But the dugout, um, if we just click through here on the ESPN graphics, folks, so 
Oh, you know where we're up to? Dugouts. Six of the top seven. And probably yes. 10 of the top 12 if we went through the stats. Yeah, look, and to be honest, if you're doing racing like this, you're kind of crazy not to be on one. They just they do make life easy. It's uh, why, why is it? Uh, it? Really, you don't have to move around as much. So maybe for the average paddler, stepping back and forward, trying to trim the board over time, gets a little harder. Um, you know, if your reaction skills aren't perfect, you know, if you're 13, 14 years old, you might be able to be like a ninja on the board and trim it. But the dugout design just allows the board to do most of the job. So, uh, like even for me, uh, like in that race, I haven't done that much ocean paddling. And to be honest, the board did 90% of the work. I just kind of guided it in the right direction. You're out there. Tell us, uh, as I mute myself on the uh, live stream here, Tell us, you were out there. What was you're actually leading the race, or virtual? You were basically virtual podium halfway through the race because you went a mile wide. Yeah, I went a little and wide. Chased the best bumps. Well, I probably had a good line at the probably start. Had the, you probably had the maybe, best fun out of anyone for the first half of the race. Yeah, look, maybe until about one or two, one and a half k's off Talabadra, I was probably sitting equal fourthish, maybe. Um, but with that kind of line, you're always going to suffer at the end, and I, I suffered definitely at the end. Uh, and but the bumps were good out there. So I probably had a little more fun and I didn't have to grind it next to the guys in the inside. So um, the dugouts, essentially, if you're going to do an ocean downwind race and you're not on a dugout, you're kind of crazy. Oh, you're going to give the guys who are on a dugout a little bit of an advantage, you know, and when the racing's so close, you just don't want to be giving advantages away. Um, it's testament to Carla's ability that she was uh, oh, for sh- for that sure. she still won on a flat deck yeah look at I mean, look the nash isn't too bad as a downwind board and and it, and it can be used adds at a really high level if you move around a lot on it or trim it a lot um but look if you want to make it easy some boards do make it a bit easier than others absolutely so. uh one of the guys who was not on a dugout he was on a flat deck as we get into the athlete ratings lincoln jews the defending champion a bit of a shock announcement a few weeks ago. He jumped over to SIC, which I don't think any of us really saw coming. Uh, and he's on to a different board. He was a bit sick through the week, I heard, but um, probably still finding his feet, you know. Yeah, maybe. Literally and metaphorically on that new board. Yeah, tough. Maybe tough conditions for maybe that board, realistically. Um, like, look, Lincoln's. It's not a, a bad board. It's the so RS Pro. It's a good board, and it actually does a lot of things very, very well. But in the bumps, like we had. Maybe the other boards did have a slight advantage. Mm. Um, was Sam on a dugout? Sam McCullough Sam was on an all-star. He was an all-star, um, so he did flat deck. Yeah, he does pretty well. Some of the guys some guys can make those boards work amazingly well. Because Connor. Stuffed, but Connor makes it work. Fiona, Connor famously. Fiona and makes Fiona. it work. Blows me away. Like, if I, I'll go to Hood River, I'll swap boards, and it blows me away. Like, I just get dropped. It's crazy. I get back on my easy board. So the dugout revolution has kind of taken over, but there's still a few holdouts. Yeah, for sure. But they make it work. The flat like deck. If you've got the agility, like those riders, they, they actually make that kind of stuff Do work. Do you think they'd be faster, though, if they took... Do you think Connor would be fast, even faster? I think so. At like, the gorge, if he spent the time on the ace? I think he's just... If he spent the time on something like that, I think he could potentially be faster, for sure. It's very uh, It's a very interesting trend in the sport at the moment, but in the athlete ratings... Let's go through the uh, let's go through the top ten, yeah, maybe and rate them out. Let's rate them out of top. Out maybe of 10. just one more thing on the dugouts here, Chris. Uh, yep. One thing I did notice was the winner wasn't on a super narrow board either, and it's probably for everyone mm. at home who thinks going narrow over time is is faster. He was riding a twenty four wide board, which for the top guys is actually still got a bit of width. 
you know, like usually you, you look at the top guys and they're riding 21, 22, 23 wide boards. He was on a 24 wide board and and he made it fly. Like he left the guys on narrow boards behind. So so you're, th- you're basically saying narrow isn't always better. Definitely in the ocean, narrow is not always better. Ange, Ange rode a 24 and a half wide board. Just being stable, getting the power down when you need it down and spin out a steel the board where you want, I think makes a massive difference. What was uh, what were you on? I was on a twenty three, and I've maybe suffered a bit for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you'd sure. go one hundred percent. If I had my time again, I'd I'd take a twenty four and a half. All right. Well, there you go. Let's get on the athlete ratings. We'll jump up and um, put the results up on the screen in case you haven't hit sup racer, folks. What have you been doing? But uh, here's the top ten. Uh, we'll go through the men first. Just give us a quick uh, a rating out of ten. You know, they're not listening anyway. They're probably out for a surf. You can say whatever you like. Start with Noit Garyu. Surely he gets top marks. Yeah. Right. He's, a, he's a 10 that's, out of 10. That's pretty easy. He, he, from start to finish, without a doubt, he had that race won. Yep. And uh, as we get mini mini Jacko and mini boss man on screen, here we go. We'll um, just position that. Okay, second, Ty Judson. Uh, tell, us, tell us where you think Ty's going to go this season. He's going to be up, I think, in the top five paddlers in the world for sure. And uh, in this race, look, I'd give him an eight. He he actually looked comfortable. And, it, look, he, and he rides narrow boards. Like some of the width boards he rides is stupid, stupid stuff. So he's one of the guys that could probably benefit from a wider board? Yeah, I think so. Like he's got good power. He's a lanky kid. He's got good reach. Um, maybe put a bit more power down and not just tripping the rail a bit so much maybe just might be a little benefit for him shuri this is a name that most people won't be familiar with he's from japan i believe down in okinawa or in that area down in the islands his nickname is shrimpy because he's just a little tiny little kid he's kind of growing into a lobster at the moment because he's a bit of a machine out there in the ocean how would you be racing to japan at the moment (laughs) maybe lucky to get top 10 in anything (laughs) i was over there there's some it. talent. Yeah. You look at the guys, uh, Kenny Kaneko, obviously the you know the long time international number one from Japan. You got Rai Taguchi, um, Kai Komatsuyama. You've uh, actually Shuri's Shrimpy's dad got top ten on the weekend. Taku yeah, came and through in tenth. Uh, I got, thought I was going for an easy win in the other forties. <laughs> I got smoked. <laughs> He's the lobster. Taku is the lobster. Shrimpy's dad. But no, Shrimpy, absolutely amazing. He's 13 years of age. Um, I've never, I haven't seen him race on flat water or anything like that. But judging by his performance uh, in the downwind on the weekend, my God, he's going to be. He's the Noik of Japan. Yeah, you'd give him a, a, a rank for that race. You give him a 10 out of 10. Like for a oh, 13, he gets, he gets an 13, 14 year old kid. Yeah, what more can you say? Like he's the potential's there, the future's there for him. He's just hopefully it all pans out and and it happens. James Casey. Uh, James did pretty well, had a bit of a shocker before the race, pulled his paddle out of my van actually, and, uh, <laughs> the blade came off. So, um, it's, I don't know. James, Tell us that I story. James was he using missed it as the an start. excuse, I think. But, he missed uh, the start. Yeah, he missed the start. He was running around trying to find a Bunnings or a hardware store, trying to find, um, some glue to glue it back in. So he was at the beach, his paddle fell apart. Yeah. He was running around trying to find a replacement paddle. No one had one. So he just, uh, I think Clayton Kane's dad is like, mate, just drive me to Bunnings. Drive me to the hardware store. I got to get some glue. Yep. So 
as everyone's paddling out to the start, he drives off to the hardware store to buy some uh, extra strength super glue, glues his paddle back together in the car on the way back to the beach, jumps in the water like three minutes before the start. You got to paddle out 600 meters to the start line. And he said he got within about 100 meters, 200 meters, and the horn blew. Yeah, it's probably lucky that everyone actually paddled so far upwind at the start that it took a, it took a little while for line to form. So um, that was good effort, like pretty rushed pre-race start for him. And uh, look, Jimmy's Jimmy. He's always going to be in there. Uh, he's had, he had a big weekend, obviously did the foil and a few other things as well, foil, tech, and long distance, so... He didn't do too bad. He got two fourths. He got uh, this is a picture on screen now. If you're watching, folks, uh, this is shrimpy, the little uh, the tiny little shrimp stuff from Japan. Absolutely smashed it. But yeah, James Casey. He got fourth in the bop race. He got uh, fourth in the downwind race, and in both of those, he was he probably could have and should have been on the podium. And then he took out the foil muster, which we'll get to in a moment. So James Casey, big weekend. He's looking good. Do we get a shot of Jimmy? There we go. Look at that. So James Casey, and actually if you hit uh, K, go on the Casey.oz Instagram, hit their link in the bio, you can see a good recap. Or actually just go on Supracer. I've linked it from there. James did a, a great recap, five talking points. And basically the big story there was um, the juniors taking over. But let's keep going through because we've got a lot to talk about here. Sam McCullough. Tell us about Sam. Not known on the international scene just yet, but this guy's a weapon. No, he's, he's about actually, 18 he's, foot tall already. Yeah, he's a big kid. Um, and he's actually really improved a lot. Was he 17 years old? Yeah, 18? 17, I think. He's and, still uh, a junior. He's, he's improved. Oh, he's definitely still a junior. He's listed there as a junior. Yeah, he's improved a lot over the last maybe year and a half, two years. Does a bit of boothies training. Um, so he gets on the boothie program, lives in WA. I'm guessing he does some training with boothie as well. There's Sam. Uh, yeah, look at that. On the All Star. And is, is actually as downwinding has, is, is going really, really well. Like yep. in, in the king of a cut, he he was right up there. So, um, what are you getting king of a cut? Like third? Ooh. I think it would be third, maybe. And he's only on a 14. Most of the guys are unlimited. This is when I need that. Ex this is when I need a producer to just Google this stuff. Maybe Ange next door. Could, I, need, um, I need the Joe Rogan style. <laughs> Keep talking. I'm going to get the king of the cut results up um, on the screen. But yeah, look, he's. he's but WA is kind of like. The, it's the mirror image of the Gold Coast. It's on the other side of the country. It's a bloody six-hour flight, but they've got amazing downwind runs, Yeah, even like better than we got here. They've probably been downwinding every day for the last three and a half months, uh, and that's that's a joy with where he comes from. So you expect him probably to get good at downwinding, and he has. He's really lifted the downwind game up. So uh, I think King of a Cut, he beat, beat guys like Clement, and which is, you know... He got third. Yeah, third. So. It was James Casey, Michael Booth, Sam McCullough, Ty Johnson. He beat Ty. Yeah, and he was only on, and Ty was on unlimited and, and um. Oh, he was 40. the first 13th. There you 40 go. 40, wow. Yeah. So here we go. Let's get this on the screen. Let's pull this up. Thanks to um. Where am I? I'm on Sub Connect. Cheers, guys. Doing my job. Um, yeah, a couple of guys he beat there. You know, those are Clement's a downwind specialist. He's kills it in downwind. So this, no. was a, this was a, just a few months ago, just two and a half months ago, King of the Cut. There's basically two bigger ocean races in Australia. There's King of the Cut and there's 12 Towers. And they're both very similar, ocean downwind races. King of the Cut's much longer. This 12 Towers is 13 Ks, 12, 13 Ks. King of the Cut's 24, 25. Um, and as you see, local boy over there, WA, Sam McCullough, got third on a 14-footer. Jimmy, Boothie, Ty, they were all on Unlimiteds. So this kid can paddle. Yeah, he's, right. got a, he's got a good future, so hopefully he can get to a few overseas races and uh, and show his stuff. Uh, a bit more racing experience would probably do him a lot of wonders. 
Lincoln Jews wasn't his weekend. I didn't really see Link around much. He was um, he got there late Saturday. I didn't really get a chance to chat with him after the race. A mystery man at this event, but he um, turned up for the long distance. Maybe new sponsors wanted to do a bit better than he did, but um, that's racing. Sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. So yeah, he'll he'll just put this one aside, and I'm sure we're going to see him strong at the next one. Absolutely. Uh, Timmy Cyprian, one of the Dark Horse boys. There's actually the next few here are just Dark Horse lads. Tim Cyprian, he's been around the, the tracks a bit, but hasn't raced a lot overseas except for those Japan events. But he's a bit of a weapon. Yeah, I've raced him a bit locally, and he's he actually uh, he can paddle really good. So um, And he famously he did that, uh, tw- what was it, the 100K charity paddle for uh, Johnny Engel. Yep. Johnny, one of the um, the Sydney legends down there, is uh, unfortunately his daughter's not well at all. And uh, Timmy, Andrew Walling up here, James Casey and the crew down there, they all did this um, 100K charity paddle to raise money. And I think they raised about 20 grand. Yeah. And so, um, he's young. Look, he's young. He's a, you know, we actually went and did a little bit of a ch- paddle with him on that day. And I think I was on like maybe the third lap or second lap. And oh, didn't he go out at race oh, pace wait, on and, his 12 hour paddle? And he was, we're, we're punching <laughs> 10Ks an hour. And I was, I was just thinking, man, you can't hold this for 100 Ks. And yeah, look, he didn't hold it. He kind of blew out, I think. He, he ended up on the OC. One. I went yeah. up there in the afternoon to finish with him, and uh, he was on an OC. Yeah, I did one lap, and I was hurting, and I was like, oh, there's no way you're going to make this. But um, he still made it. It's, he's young, and he paddles. He's got actually, um, he's surprisingly, if he can get to a few events, he'll do really well. He's He paddles hard, and uh, he actually never gives up. So, Yep, no. Good kid, Timmy Cyprian. Let's uh, go through, finish up the top 10. Johnny Hagen. Now, this lad, uh, this is the results from the downwinder. If we had the results up on screen, which I might just jump on separation and get those, the results from the um, bop, he got second. Second, yeah. And he almost bloody won it. Yeah, he's got a background in the surf, bit of a surf life-saving kind of Ironman kid. So it's probably a bit natural for him. Um, seems to handle the waves really well. I was watching a bit of drone footage before. And, uh, yeah, he looked comfortable. Good start. So, actually surprised me a bit where he was in the long distance. So, I actually, I raced him a week earlier. And, to be honest, I flogged him. Just to put it lightly. Oh, up at Brisbane. Up up Brisbane. Brisbane. That's yeah, right. I was there. And he took it serious too, I think. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, oh, Johnny's not that quick. Yeah. And then he comes down here. Him, he's just foxing, I think, up there. Um, all right. We're going to get these results in a second. Determined to find these. So, no, Johnny's got a... Um, okay, we got it. Here we go. He was second. Same this thing, was the new, BOP results. New, new sponsor. So, sponsored off deep now. Um, maybe the board... And I think the boards are probably going to suit him. So... So, there you go. The BOP race, which we're going to get talking about in a minute. He was second. Had a Noik, had a Jimmy, had a Sam, Ollie. A lot of good paddlers there. So, one to look out for. The new Dark Horse. And um, going through Ollie Houghton, NZ champion. Pretty talented kid as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, look, maybe from the sounds of it, hasn't maybe done so much downwinding. Uh, seems like a really talented, talented kid. Was he in the bop? Yeah, he was. F- he was up sixth there in the bop. Sure. He was. Uh, he was near the front pack. Yeah, eighth, ninth in the downwinder. Very talented. Very cool kid. His parents, um, Gavin Rosie, kind of helped basically keep the NZ sub scene together. Probably be heading over there in a few weeks for one of their long distance nationals. But, um, yeah, just a cool kid, Ollie, and good to see the New Zealand crew coming out to support. We talked about the regional clubs earlier, but there's also a big NZ contingent, so big shout-out to those guys. And uh, finishing off the top ten, the Lobster. 
Taku, yeah. Shrimpy's dad. I know, smoked it. And uh, bumped a couple of very experienced paddlers outside the top 10. I see your name there in 12th. Yep. You yeah. went just a little bit wide out there, didn't you? It was wide, lost a few minutes at the end. But had to paddle an extra half a K than everyone else. Yeah, that's, that's racing and probably should know better, but it was quiet out there by myself anyway. And if we just jump down, one of the guys, I think the guy that crossed right behind you on the Unlimited... Actually, he was just in front of me. Just in front of I you. I remember going past all the He pieces. would have been five minutes in front of you if it wasn't yeah. for a bit of a mishap. We're, we're going to get to that at the end, actually. I don't want to spoil. Yeah, that that's, the, that's, that's coming up, folks. But um, that's the top 10 men. Let's go through the women's results because, uh, as we said, an exciting finish in the women. Here you go. The women all crossed together. Carla, Kate, Ange, and basically Ange's time was, I mean, at the final boo, uh, Carla and Ange were almost neck and neck. Kate was about 30 seconds behind. It was um, it was tight. Yeah, it was pretty much whoever held the wave realistically. Like I think a set came through, and um, maybe the difference is with the girls at the moment that they all pull back on that wave, and I would have liked to seen one of them give it a go. Yep. So you know, at the front of a guy's pack, there's definitely no one's going to pull back on a wave, and I think if one of them had given a go and pushed over that wave, it would have been a clear cut first, second, third kind of thing. But yeah, there was some solid waves coming through. Yeah, I'm just going to actually get up a video of what. They seem to Basically like to make what it, they were coming in through. They want to make it more interesting than it needs to be sometimes, uh, <laughs> and they kind of all just all just kind of mucked around and uh, it made it entertaining for us to watch it. But yeah, I'll see if we've got that video on here. Let me just line this up for you, folks. But there was, um, I mean, there was some solid waves, right? Yeah, definitely. Like this is Burley Point. It's one of the it's one of the premier surf breaks on the Gold Coast. Like. Uh, it's, you know, we we're just off the end, just off the point there. And the waves were coming through from right at the back. Yep. There's no crazy sets in this little drone clip. But basically, I had to surf a long way in from out the back. And uh, we're going to get, in a moment, we're going to show the crazy finish that uh, Noik's dad had. But let's, um, let's finish off these results while we got them. So top three, Carla, Kate, Ange. Very impressive. Fourth, I was pretty impressed this weekend with Brianna Oram from New Zealand. Young lass, I think she's only about 22 years of age. Going to head over to Europe this summer, so I'll see a lot more of her in season 2020. She got a podium in the bop. She was second. Fourth in the downwinder, so Sometimes just that bit weekend. more racing experience can do the, do wonders in this kind of scenario, so maybe just that little bit extra. I think we'll um, give her more confidence and you know to believe that she can do it and match it with the best, and she'll be right there. Kiali Dorries, one of the deep... Uh, stable mates. She was. Uh, she's like one of the local local champs. She was top five. Not too bad. She was also podium in the bop. So good weekend for Kiali. Yeah, nice and solid results. Uh, Chloe. Chloe, another one of the deep crew. Six. They're not too far behind. So the Gold Coast got a bit of junior talent. The women's scene's always been a little bit much lighter in Australia. We've had so many top international men, but we've never had as many. Like Ange and Carla and Tareen have kind of carried the women's sport in Australia on their shoulders for a long time, whereas there's been 15 to 20 top international guys. So it's good to see some of the young women. And I think it's about time. Like when I think Jimmy touched on it in his um, little review that he did, like it went from the the older guys on the Gold Coast that, you know, like the Travis's and the Jamie's and guys like that. And then the newer, younger breed came through, the Jake's and mm. um, the Lincoln's and that. And all of a sudden now there's another younger younger crew again. So, um it's it's about time the girls kind of stepped it up in the in the juniors and 
Yeah. Knocked off Carla and Ange, maybe. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Ange McKee, not a junior, one of the masters, one of the top finishing masters. I think she's another Kiwi that jumped over here. Ange McKee in seventh. And let's go through. So these are all combined results. I got to just. Savannah Fitzsimmons, one of the local women. She was out there. She was also out there in the foil muster um, on a sup. Yep, on a sup she was, on the, she the, was the first person I've ever seen do a wing, wing, a ding, wing foil run on a regular sup. Yeah. Actually, pretty. She went probably, a lot faster than me. I was gonna say probably caught a few good bumps. Actually, yeah, <laughs> she definitely went faster than me in the four master. Sue Dorries, uh, Kiali's mother. So interestingly, a mother daughter combo in the top ten, and we had two father son combos in the top twelve. Um, Taku and Shrimpy and Nuik and Olivier Garyu. Mm. So a bit of a family affair on the weekend at the twelve towers, and then finishing off the um, the top ten in the women's. A bit of a local legend, Tracy Moak. Yeah, the always, there, always competes, always gives it the best. So. She's kind of like the canary in the coal mine, just down up paddling the moke. If she's at an event, you know it's you know, and she, if she's at an event and smiling, you know it's a good event. Yeah. So uh, the moke kind of sums up the spirit of these events. So that was your top ten. Um, let's uh, let's get back to our ESPN graphics, and we'll catch up to where we were. God, what was what was next? Where were we? Okay, dugouts, did that. Athletes ratings, no, done that. What's next on the agenda? Things to improve. Things All right, improve. it was a great event, but, uh, you know, no event's perfect. And while we give PZ and the crew a big shout-out, let's um, also give them some constructive feedback. What would be your few things to fix? Um, look, maybe as as with most races, a start could be uh, a, a thing to fix for the downwind racing, for sure. Like it's How do um, you do a good ocean race start? I, I think everyone overthinks the whole um, situation and the start sequences are there already. Uh, I think we've really got to start looking at uh, sailing sequence starts. Um, like, in my mind, the best way to do a start of a race would be at the briefing, about half an hour before the race, you set a time and say the race is going to be at start at 12 o'clock, starts at 12 o'clock on my dot, no if, buts or anything. Um, you have two skis or two markers in the water, and if you're in front of those markers any time before that time, you get a penalty. Yep. If the whole field's over and one person's behind, the whole field gets a penalty. It's as simple as that. Um, like the, like we just did a line-up of that race. We just did a the normal line, and everyone, like, to be honest, I was full paddle speed before even the countdown started. Yep. And and if, as much as it might sound like I was cheating, but if I didn't, I would have been 50 metres behind because there's no penalty for it. So... Mm whether we just got to bring some penalties in for people jumping it, um, have this proper sailing start. I, th I think it's pretty simple. I think, um, yeah. All right. So the start always, I mean, that's universal, really. We've got to work on Chase, starts. Chase will love that one. Chase, Chase Kostelitz, you got to come out of your new foiling career, come back to the, uh, the sub world and help us clean up the starts. But uh, going through, oh, the other thing we've got to improve, have an after party. Yes. Peasy. It was a little hard this Where year. Where were you, buddy? It was a little hard this year, maybe, because the race got pushed to a Sunday mm. uh, and a lot of people go home. So maybe still an after party would be a good idea just to let people unwind. And But yeah, that kind of sums up for me that it's good to have the major event, obviously condition dependent. It's good to have a window so you can pick the best conditions. People much prefer that. The after party is not the main event of the weekend. It's the race, right? But I think that social gathering is really important for events. And uh, there was a bit of that after the race, you know, everyone was sticking around, having a barbecue and a beer, but uh, 
I think any event around the world, if you can do the main part of it or even all of it on a Saturday, it makes a big difference because people can have fun and then they can wander home Sunday. And for those who go to work early Monday morning, they're not too worried. Yeah, look, I, I think ideally that the the foil muster would would have been on Friday, long distance Saturday, and then the technical race would have been early Sunday morning. Well, that was and, the original schedule, and that would have that would have worked perfect. But um, and it, and it probably would have worked for what we actually did get. But you know, well, the foil muster wouldn't have been too good Friday either. No, but, but condition wise, to be honest, uh, the weekend was about as good as you get for conditions. We did get pretty lucky. Because on Monday, we were sitting right here in this room going, which was, flat water boards are yeah, going to use? I was pretty happy, actually. I was uh, more get my flat water board out <laughs> and do a flat water ocean race. But, um, yeah, the wind turned it on. The rain stayed away. And, geez. It was, uh, it was a bloody good weekend. So moving through, uh, one thing I want to see is if we can get some photos up of how to snap an unlimited. I don't want to throw him under the bus, but I'm going to. Olivier Garriou. <laughs> This was uh, one of the photo sequences of the week. I don't think we got, I think we actually do have video footage. I'm going to try and find both. But um, he was just, tell us about Olivier and his race for starters while I queue up this footage. Because actually he was having a cracker. He was like level with, that's photo of Shrimpy. Wait, let's get that back up. That's Olivier in behind the OC2. That's Olivier on that orange Sonova board. He's on an 18-foot up, but he's basically tracking with the top five the whole way. 100%. Like in previous years, he's probably finishing, you know, um, maybe in the, about 15th in, in previous years. So he's had an absolute blind of a race. Like, to be in the position he was, he was killing it. Um, <laughs> then he like, just got a little bit cute at the finish. And actually I caught probably the bomb of the day. Oh, it was photos mad. Were, photos were mad. And, and, and actually, he finished just in front of me. Like, well, I went past a few pieces, so <laughs> he was still in the water. Let's um, try and cue this up. I'm going to... All right, so it looks pretty harmless, out the back. Probably, probably point out that it's no fault of the board. I think the board was actually oh, that's pre- a prototype. It was previously creased. And, uh, yeah, let's not throw Sonova under the bus. Nice. This is an 11 kilo prototype that they basically designed to be a disposable board. They yeah, were just testing shapes. So it was not designed for catching six foot bombs on. No. And let's I, make that clear. If you own an unlimited board, you know that taking waves like this is never a good idea. Yeah, even on a, a 20 kilo unlimited board, taking waves like this is probably not a great idea. But Olivier, and for context, that's an OC2, which is about 22 foot in front of him. He's on an 18 foot board. So the wave is pretty solid. And uh, where's that classic this, shot? This guy's decided to back out. Oh, He's like, no chance. I think this, who is, that must be one of the short course boys. He was just um, getting a front row seat of Olivier sending it. So he goes down, you can see it start to wedge up. And then this next shot kind of sums it up that it's, He's in trouble now. <laughs> yeah. and, like, uh, he's that, doing a bop race on an 18-foot board. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> right now he's deciding if he wants to stay on the rudder or to try and surf it. And, um, yeah, I don't think he makes the right decision. No, and then, yeah, that board ended up in two pieces. But a big shout-out to Olivier. Uh, we're not giving him shit. He actually had a, a cracking race. He's I think a he would have finished paddler. maybe seventh. Yeah, he would have been easily top ten line honours. Yeah, I think um, I think it was seventh, and he got or he got passed by like five guys or something like that, maybe sixth even. Oh yeah, he was swimming in with two yep. pieces of boards. Yeah, those famous and over two pieces. He took it a little bit literally. Yep, and um, turned his eighteen footer into one. But no, again, that was um, that was a prototype board that wasn't really designed to handle six foot burly sets. So, but I just had to show that because that was um, that was a classic wave in. So uh, let's get back to the ESPN roundup. Where are we up to? What's next on the agenda? Let's have a look here. How to snap an 18-footer. Things to improve. 
Snap an eating footer. Bop. Bring back the bop. Okay. This was, this was exciting. Uh, I, I had a front row seat. Like, I was actually out in the boat. and um, You were. You were helping live stream. Yeah, I was taking it on the head, basically. You were. That and was commitment. I tell you, in the water, it was crazy. Like, the guys were just, it was just pile-ups after pile-up. It was kind of, um, the course was crazy tight. And it, it kind of worked. I think, um, you know, it, the lead changed multiple times. You could get a little lucky break, but it wasn't, there's no power paddling involved. It was just trying to pick the gaps and oh, try and pull up some footage yet, Chris. And I've got, I'm queuing that up now. I really need a producer. Um, all right. So this was uh, Georgia. Let's go back to the start. Okay. So. Georgia Schofield doing a bang-up job. She pushed this edit out in about two hours after the race on Saturday. Hopefully you can still hear us, folks. I've still got to learn how to use vMix. But here was the bot. We had it Saturday morning. It was essentially just a 15-minute destruction derby. Just old-school style. Like that the old battle. The bop, if you don't know, is the Battle of the Paddle days. Battle of the Paddle, the classic California race. And look at this. It was just perfect clean waves. That was Johnny Ho. Uh, not Johnny Hogan. Who was that? That was uh, Jackson. Fell off upside down. Young just watching, run. just watching people just basically eating it, and I don't know. I kind of like it. It is entertaining. I mean, the sport. This was the sport in the early days. I remember when I got into paddling, and you guys taught me how to paddle nine, ten years ago. All we ever did around here was train all year for the bop in September. Yeah. That was like it was the one race that everyone wanted to go to, and then that died. The PPGs revived it for a few years, and then that obviously died. And there's been a big hole of surf racing around the world. So I was pretty stoked to see. Um, Peasy and the boys bringing back the bop. But I'm going to line up a bit of drone footage here because there was we got some good footage of that bop. This is why this is why I love surf racing. Let's take a look here. So this, um, where are we? Are we? It, and it was definitely like the old school um, bop days where, you know, you got 40 people running into the water at once. It's look at that. 100% guaranteed carnage. Yeah, yeah. Just look at this. Look at this second wave that comes through. The first one, they kind of jump over. The second wave just stops them dead in their tracks. Look at this, boom! <laughs> and it's, and it, you know, Everyone gets pushed back. Yeah. No one, no one really got through that. Uh, Johnny Hogan actually got a pretty good start there. He kind of probably got the best. I think it's Hagen. Hagen. Yeah. Hogan. 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 Yeah. It's not Hulk Hogan. He's younger. Johnny Hagen. Hagen. So he got the there. Best. He is on the, the bottom left there. He got a hell of a start. And Jimmy just off to the screen on the the far left. Yeah, this kid's good. On the deep board there. That's like the ultimate start in a bop race. Yeah, so that's James Casey on the left, Johnny Hagen on the right, and these boys basically just cruise out to the first buoy, one, two. Let's see, we got a bunch of drone videos lined up in a row here. So that was uh, James Casey on the right, Jackson Cosgrove. In the center, Johnny Hagen. Behind them, it was uh, Nuik. And these boys just charge all the way out to that first boy. I think, like, James, actually, when I was in the water, James looked potentially the best. Uh, and he actually did have a little little break at one point. I just thought he was going to win. Oh, here's the best. Wait, here, we got to – I want to pause this and go back. This is the best part of the race right here. So we're at the Golden Buoy. Everyone, the first buoy in this store, it was a black Waterman store buoy, but we're still calling it the Golden Buoy. Throwing back to the BOP days. Uh, what did I do? Here we go. So this uh, this was the golden boy, the first turn of the race. And then as soon as you get around there, you're just sprinting for a wave to open up that big lead. And a few of the boys got it. Jackson Cosgrove just cooked it. He went off. And uh, Jimmy got it. Nuit got it. 
and uh, Johnny Hagen got it. Just watch Noik here. He almost kills a small child. <laughs> just Let's just replay that whole shot because the sequence is so good. Definitely about as close as you're ever going to get. So here you go. Ty just missed the wave. J- Jackson, oh, what are you doing, buddy? And then look at Noik on the far right here and then look at that little kid on the prone paddleboard coming up here. He must just be shitting his pants right here because Noik's going, which way are you going, kid? And then the kid stops. Then look at Noik's board. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, that was... Um, Almost takes out a six-year-old boy. <laughs> I think that kid probably loved it, though. He would, oh, he would have been it. loving it. Being yeah, up there front and center. Right. Hopefully it's he didn't get a board in the head. There's Johnny Hagen and um, Jimmy going around the boy, but <laughs> Noik dead set nearly just took it. Took out a small child. It stayed like a pretty tight battle the whole race. Uh, no, and actually, look, the outside waves came into play a lot. So, yeah, it was tight. It was a tight course. The whole race of it was five minutes per lap. But these shots, this kind of just reminds me what we missed with the bot. Waves just bring that X factor into a race. Yeah, for sure. Like it, it can. It's that real thing that can change the whole race in a blink of an eye. So. Um, like even Jimmy, he had a bit of a break on one of the laps and then he got taken out on the next one and was two or three spots back. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy was leading most of the race and then he ends up getting fourth. There's Ty Judson. He ended up winning the race. Noik in the background there got uh, third. And this is a hard part, you know, with these races. Your legs are burning. You've got no, no blood in your legs. You're trying to get them pumping and you just get blood in them and then all of a sudden you paddle again. So, Yeah, the boys said they were flogged. Yeah. It was a 15-minute race, but they were probably more exhausted at the end of this than the hour-long downwinder. Yeah, it was maybe a little too short if there's one criticism on this. Uh, it would have been a bit more enjoyable to watch it go Well, this is that really tight spot right here. If you look here, there's on the left-hand side of the screen, there's a buoy, and then about 10 metres away, there's another one. It's hard balance. Like, we want, we keep saying we want tighter courses, more exciting courses, and then we get them, we're like, was it too tight? I don't know. I, I liked it. Yeah, when I first looked at it, I thought, well, maybe. But then I thought, yeah, we want carnage. And if yeah. we want carnage, let's get, get them together. Uh, you, there's a chance to risk a ding in your board, for sure. <laughs> but it, yeah. Um, ah, look at this. Like, people oh. running over people. Does it get anything better? <laughs> that was the spot right there. Like, if you look at the classic shots from the early days of the bop, you know, that hammerhead turn and there's 40 guys on one wave. and Yeah. Like, that's you want to watch that because everyone's just going to basically semi die. Yeah, it was. Uh, um, they, we were like we would we were kind of half joking bringing back the bop, but they really did. This yeah. this was the first race I've seen in a long time that reminded me of the bop or the PPGs. Like we just haven't. There's races, there's surf races around the world, um, but I haven't seen one. I haven't seen one covered like this with this awesome drone footage. So big shout out to George Schofield. Maybe maybe it's just hard with the the legal side of things and maybe trying mm. to always everyone's trying to protect each other too much and put everyone in cotton wool but maybe if you sign up to these things you know that you a potential chance of getting hurt and but you you take it on the chin. Yeah. Jeez. How awesome is this? And just one more time I've got to find and show that um that show of Noik trying to kill a small boy. Here we go. <laughs> one last time. This was the uh, this is the money shot here. Good work, Georgia. So we charge in here. Ty misses it. Jackson how, was not happy with that. How good are those conditions? It was as good as it gets for a bop race. And then they're coming in towards that. It's basically the virtual hammer boy down the further end. I think it was the kid was paddling away and he was little like, Little nah, just like deer it. in headlights. Oh. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh because he almost got a race board in the head, but he was clearly okay because he was... Still there for the next lap. Maybe in hindsight, they should have been out of the area, but... Uh, yeah, they probably shouldn't have been hanging out in the middle of a race course. But then we wouldn't have a highlight package like that, would we? <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So um, that was bringing back the bop. So big shout out to PZ and um, Clarky, all the crew that put the 12 Towers together and worked tirelessly all year because um, that gave us a bit of entertainment. And a big shout out to you. Thank you, you and Ange, the one who basically bought us a bit of a front row seat out there. You jumped in the rubber ducky. Rubber ducky, that was a bit of fun actually. Tried your best to lose your phone. Yeah, we had had the big guy in the front rolling around and <laughs> yeah. nearly lost him a few times. It was um, it was an interesting interesting boat boat ride. No, that was good fun. And uh, before we wrap up, I want to uh, chat about something that you were involved with, the foil muster. It was yeah. kind of, um, you and Jimmy were taking the lead on that one and we ended up getting the largest foil gathering to date in Australia. Did we count 18? 18, I think all up. And it was it was not so much a race. Um, it was a muster. It, it was a muster, you know. And it's basically just a gathering. Gathering, trying to grow the sport and, and trying to see if we could start setting it up for the future. And look, it's definitely got legs. It's um, the conditions were pumping. Like as if we're talking foil, kinda. If we wanted to sort of foil race, this was bloody awesome. It was surfing along the entire Gold Coast stretch. Um, you did it yourself, Chris. <laughs> you only did a short course. <laughs> I did the short course, but uh, <laughs> it was not by choice, just because I was so bloody slow. It was, and you know, we we involved any any really anyone with a foil could do it. Whether you're on a winger ding, if you wanted to prone it, you could have proned it. We didn't get any, um, and and a sup, obviously. Uh, the winger dings did really well, and oh, here's some of the boys. There's a kite going through. Jimmy it. smoked us. Is this uh, Jimmy on screen now, probably. Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy had a good run actually. Um, custom, custom wing. We'll get into that topic another day. Yeah, that's James Case. This is the finish. You guys, how far did you go? Twenty five k's? Nah, seventeen k's. Seventeen k's. Seventeen k's. So you did. You basically went all the way up to the other end of the Gold Coast. Yeah. This is just the finish where you're cruising in through the surf, but you did a proper downwinder for 17 k's. Yeah, it was a and, and fast. And it was a proper down. I think Jimmy averaged 24 kilometers an hour average. Um, you know, doing doing kilometer splits of in the two two twenties as it's crazy. Like it's that it, is this is this has this is why it's got big potential. It's the speeds unreal. The sport's getting easier and easier. And I like how he just goes back out and just keeps going. Yeah, just cruising. And this is this is foiling. Like really, once you get the hang of foiling, it's not that hard. <laughs> He's um, loving it. It's, um, look at that, finishing with style points there. Good work, Jimmy. 40, 43 minutes from Karamanelli to Naranek, uh, 17 Ks. 17 Ks in 43 minutes. Yeah, it was. Just let me work out the speed on that one. Someone's, um, what'd you say? 43 minutes, 43 17 Ks. 17 Ks. That's ridiculous. There's Bo, so another local guy. Um, obviously, Ex sup racer, very good sup racer, semi retired, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. So, but that was, look, I, I think the foil muster and the foil gathering side is definitely going to grow. Hopefully, PZ keeps it on board. Um, and we try and push it as an actual, another, like he did the right thing, PZ this year, kept it separate to the, to the race. He could have, he could have had the foil race on the same time as the sup race and it would have taken away. Like we've yes. taken ten people out of the sub race, and it's it's probably not what we really need. We really need it to grow in its own little entity. So this is you, mate. This is me coming. To no, the big shout out to PZ, and uh, obviously that was your call. And Jimmy, um, we kind of all got together and uh, basically encouraged 
easy to have it on it. Well, he, he just said, what do you guys want to do? It's your call. And we said, definitely have it on a different day because yeah. don't make the mistake that a few events have made. Like the Gorge, for example, we love the Gorge, but they put the, the foil race on at the same time and all the foilers basically jump ship from the sup race to the foil race when they'd like to do both. Yeah, it just waters down each event a little bit. And I think um, I think these days the potential is there to have uh, two separate races. It's, both sports are growing. Both sports are starting to get the numbers. You know, sup, the SUP's always got the numbers and the foilings. You know, it's unfortunate many of the guys who SUP also cross over. So uh, Europe this year, a lot of the foil races there's four are four or five days. races over there on the Euro Tour. Um, the Air France Paddle Festival's got a, Euro, a foil race coming up. I know the Malulabar SUP Fest, which we talked about on the weekend, another good Aussie event. Uh, well, wow. it's a brand new Aussie event coming up in a few months. They've got a foil, an interesting foil race. Yeah. Which is uh, this one of the Wingding boys? This is one of the Wingedings. Why were, well, how come the Wingedings didn't win? Or are they just, was it not the right, um, not the right guys? Or was it, no, are they look, actually not that look, far, actually much faster? Guys, guys really good at on the Wingedings. Um, that guy's name is actually Guy. He's actually Guy. Yeah. Uh, and he's, <laughs> look, he's, and it's. So Wingedings aren't faster. I thought like, they'd be faster. I don't know. Like I, I, I haven't probably done enough myself to speak purely for them. I think the Wingeding gets in the way a little bit when you, when you're going, like sometimes I feel like we're going faster than the wind. Mm. So if we're going faster than the wind, then you start dragging that wing. So at times what helps them might actually slow them down. Um, Interesting. Because it seems everyone on, oh wait, yeah, yeah. That's, I want to see the end of that clip again. The boys right. definitely do have some good dismount techniques. Maybe we could work on that. Right, that's you. Let's get back to um, guys dismount here. Yeah, that's it's always interesting. How do you finish a foil race? Should it be a water finish? I mean, this wasn't really a race. Should have been a, should, if it was a proper race, we would have had a water finish. I feel otherwise, what would happen? You do is you'd have heaps of doing this and uh, hit the same. <laughs> <laughs> as entertaining as it is, it's probably not the best for your board foil or your legs. So, so um, yeah, we'll just give you one more, one more little shot in the spot in the spotlight here, Jacko. You didn't do too bad. You were third over the line. I mean, if we it's not a race, but let's just give the results anyway. Jimmy was he smashed us like a mile ahead. I had weed. Yeah. If, if it was Jimmy, he would have weed. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was so nothing it's uh no nothing Jimmy, wrapped around the fin? Nah, Jimmy smoked us. It was uh hundred percent fair. He he definitely was faster. Um so it was Jimmy, then Bo O'Brien, a blast from the past in the sub world, then you in the top yeah, three. And so then the first winger ding. And you and guys did, I just did the calculations, 23.5 kilometer an hour average Yeah. for almost an hour. Yep. So you guys were literally flying. Yeah. And you know what? It's, it's not that hard. It sounds like it's hard, but once you kind of do it, it's, it's actually physically quite easy. Yeah. Um, like a lot of us on the Goldie, we had actually downwind for the last two months. I mean, you can go out and do it straight away. It's well, don't say it's easy. Cause I was out there in the foil muster. And um, at, actually, at, to be honest, I, I did the short course. When you're learning, it's the hardest thing you'll ever learn to do. But once you kind of get it, it does cross over into a pretty easy sport. Well, in my defense, that was my first ever foil downwinder. We've yeah. been, I've been playing around with you guys in the creek, in the waves. Um, but that was my first foil downwinder, and it was not as easy as I thought. I got up at the start, and, and the first 10 seconds I was up, I was like, okay, we're going to, I'm going all the way here. I got this. 30 seconds later, I nosedived it, went over the handlebars. And about five minutes, like a couple of minutes of just grinding. I got up again. I was like, all right, let's do this. 30 seconds later down. I just keep doing that. 30 seconds up, three minutes down. And after you do that five or six times, you're exhausted. Yeah. It's hard work. Yeah. yeah you got every, every bit of your body working. And uh, it was actually good. I think we had three or four new people at the, on the, doing the short course run. So 
Yeah. It'll keep going. It'll keep growing. Yeah, there's a few of us that limped home in yeah. Burley. <laughs> I was the last of them. But let's uh, almost wrap this up. We've got uh, one more thing I want to chat about, which you're involved with on the weekend. And a big shout out to Kelly Margetz, who I spotted on the live stream. The live stream experiments. We decided to um, basically just try a few things because you, we got to keep trying things in this sport. And um, I kind of transported this whole studio down to the beach um, with at risk of putting all this equipment through the salt and rusting it out. But we decided to transport the Subraiser podcast studio to the finish line. Uh, and then in the bop race, I threw you and Ange out there on the roving cameras and Callie Margetz on the Sunday. But, uh, you know, it wasn't ESPN, but I think it was a good little step forward. It was fun. Yeah, it was good. It was, it was um, look, previous years we had no coverage until people get to the finish. And mm. it's, you know, everyone's sitting at home hanging just to see what's going on. So actually getting anything on the water is better than nothing. And yeah. It's, I went back and watched the whole live feed of the race um, long distance over again, and it was good. Like, it was the boats can get in, like, the ocean actually race was good. Boats can get in close enough. Um, to be honest, they probably could have got even closer. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I was, uh, I was pretty happy with how it went, considering what we were working with, like, conditions wise. Mm. I was freaking out the day before, we're not going to be able to do this at all. Like, it could have pissed down rain, we couldn't have done it. It was a bumpy ocean. I'm like, how is Callie going to hold the phone? in the boat in the end we had to go to like plan d with the technical setup he had two phones he was holding on to a phone for the video and then he was calling me on whatsapp because we, we couldn't sync the audio on the other one so basically he was had no hands free in this boat bouncing around in six foot swells he said he had to like wedge his feet down on the sides of the rubber ducky just to um not go overboard so big shout out to kelly my gets for um helping make that happen and for you guys on saturday i mean i guess we just need a bigger budget, we could get better cameras, clear images. That would be obviously the next step up. But kind of the skeleton, I think, is there. Like yeah. the, the idea is there. I oh, look. I think it's it, we're giving giving the the people at home who want to see it. Like when I don't go and do the events, I I tune and watch it for sure. It gives you an inside look at what's going on, and it's uh, always interesting. Yeah. Um, and look, it was hard conditions, and it actually worked really well. If it was a flat water race, it would have been ten times easier. So yeah, um, if you can do it in those conditions, you can do it anywhere. Yeah, no, I was um, I was stoked. I was stoked. A lot of people watched, and there's a lot of supportive comments. Uh, I was a little worried that people would be, you know, getting frustrated that it's you know it's not that ESPN level. But uh, everyone seemed to be happy. Mm -hmm. I always judge my live streams off the positive negative comment ratio, and uh, this one was almost 100. percent So yeah. thank you, for everybody we, who watched and was I patient. I think well, you and you were down one cameraman at the start as well. So um, <laughs> we were almost down two. Yeah. We uh, thanks for Kelly Margetz for basically changing the plan at the very last minute. He had to jump in an alternative boat because the first priority wasn't there, and um, he made it happen. And then yeah, we wanted Benny Tadra out there as well to finish follow the women's race. But it's difficult. Um, it's difficult to make it happen. There's limited boats. There's always limited resources. A couple of boats didn't turn up, so it made, yeah. made things hard. <laughs> But yeah, we uh, we pulled it together, and hopefully you guys had uh, a, you know a bit of an entertaining Sunday morning. If you haven't watched it, you can jump on the Paddle League Facebook page, watch the full replay. It's up to about eight or nine thousand views now, so we were excited that we could share this race because Twelve Towers is a classic race. Nine years now, coming up on number ten next year. Um, it's our local event here on the Gold Coast, and I've got a feeling after what we saw, like a cracking downwinder, and the that bop that was just super fun. I think a lot more crew will want to come over next year. Yeah, it's, and it's you know what, it's it's always like that on the Gold Coast. We always have those cracking down windows. So, 
we get it. Oh, if, you, if you turn up from year number 10, 100% guaranteed you're going to get downwind. Pretty much. It's, um, I mean, except for the month before it when it wasn't going <laughs> at all. No, actually, the conditions for what, we, what we've been having was amazing. So, yeah, it's um, maybe I won't 100% guarantee that. It's been a light summer for, um, for downwinders, but we often get cracking downwind runs from snapper to, snapper to the alley, snapper to burley. King of a cup, we always say, look, that's a full downwind race. Just remember when you come 12 towers, it is an ocean race. You might not always yes. get cracking downwind. There's a good chance, but it's going to be an ocean race. It's called the Twelve Towers Ocean Festival for a reason. It's not called the Downwind Festival because it actually sits no in a pretty guarantee. sketchy time. Like we do get some good cyclones around this year, this time. They've been lucky the past couple of years, the past few years, because I remember five or six years ago, it seemed every year PZ would just luck out and there'd be a cyclone that week. I remember the first three years, I think it got postponed twice. Yeah, man, they were released to Brisbane one year. That was actually a pretty good year. It, it yeah, was windy, good downwind. Uh, there's always, always good backup options. Absolutely. No, great event, the 12 Towers. If you haven't already, add it to your 2021 bucket list. Um, and yeah, I guess we've hit the end of the list on that ESPN leaderboard. The, anything else you want to give a shout out to? No, that was about it, actually. Um, it's good to see everyone. Obviously, at an event like that, everyone comes and catches up. And and it's uh, yeah, it's good over three days. You get to catch up with people you haven't seen for quite a while. Um, I guess part of the reason we do it, eh? Like... Yeah, I make friends all around the world and go away for 12 months and come back and see each other again. It's like you never left. That's so. the thing. It was a, It's a reunion. That's yeah. what I love about these events. It's uh, the community comes back together. Yeah, we saw a lot of people there that we haven't seen for 12 months and um, it was good times. Part, I guess where you're going with the Paddle League and stuff, trying to get that community-based events to grow and, you know, to keep the events fun like this, you know. Yeah. After party would have made it a bit more fun. But, uh, <laughs> If you keep them fun, then that's what keeps people coming back. Not Absolutely. too, si- not too serious. Yeah, yeah. It's about the punters, and uh, if you've seen the photo gallery up on the paddle league, we'll just before we wrap up, just to give a few more crew a shout out. We um, we really worked hard to get um, basically every competitor their own action shot because I wanted everyone to feel like they were part of the event because they are. But a lot of events, you know, it's you know, there's the big focus on the front group and then. Um, everyone else just feels like a little bit of a second-class citizen. I don't know no events do that on purpose, but sometimes that's just what happens. So if I had, you know, just any advice for an event, I'd say make sure you make everybody feel like they were part of that event because um, it's, you know, it's the, we talk about the grassroots, but this is what the sport's all about. These are the crew that um, keep the sport going. So uh, I'm just going to quickly scroll through the photos here, but obviously jump onto the Paddle League on Facebook. You can see this whole gallery. Georgia Schofield, a big shout out to her. She's saying it's her last ever SUP event. She's discovered the sailing world, which has a slightly higher budget. <laughs> but she got some absolutely amazing shots. And, you know, all the crew from the regional paddle clubs, all the weekend warriors and all the international stars, we all got some awesome photos. So... Once you're done here, jump over onto the Paddle League page and look at these. Oh, there's some foil muster shots in there. Lovely. 471 picks and uh, just world-class photos. So, yeah, it was a good weekend. Thanks for everybody who joined us on the Paddle League live stream and thanks for everyone that joined us today on, what are we calling this show? The One Review. Yeah. The One Review. I, I got to do, do a new graphic. All I've got is, let's just finish with Chris Ting's photo because that is... Uh, that is the shot of the weekend, Tingy. <laughs> that sums up the spirit of the event right there. Chris Ting from VMG Blades, um, makers of very nice race fins and 
old mate Tingy is just, you know, he's a frother. He sums up the spirit of the community and that photo sums it up right there. So we're going to, uh, we're going to sign off on that one. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks Jacko for hosting Sup Racer as always and hosting the one review. We'll have to do it again next week. No worries. All right. Look forward to it. Thanks for watching everybody. See you next time.